0: Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals, your money, and your plans in perfect harmony. And now, here is Michael Mansfield to help you find out how to be financially tuned.
1: Welcome to another week of Financially Tuned Radio. I'm your host, Michael Mansfield. I'm a certified financial planner with the Lind Group located in Ventura, California. As always, every week with me is my good friend and co-host, Tony Shore. Tony, we've got a good topic this week. We're going to talk about retirement accounts. We're going to be talking about taxes. We're going to be talking about all kinds of fun stuff that that people love to hear about. How are you doing today, Tony?
0: Well, I'm doing great. And you you definitely uh, have a great topic there because we all need to learn how to manage our income, especially Mm -hmm. if it's income that we're going to be saving for retirement. So we're going to get into that. I've got lots of questions for you and i know you you've brought along a lot of great information uh but first michael mansfield our listeners just you're you're a rock star you're a radio star um you know people uh people just everybody gets quiet when you start to speak because we all want to hear your opinion especially regarding finances in the world of finance but how how do we get to know you personally our listeners want to know more about you what what did you do this week? Have you had a good week?
1: What did I do this week? Well, you know, for me, the, it seems like the, the week's always just getting started. You, you've got school with the little kids. My four-year-old is sick at home. So I think, I think the big push that people always need to know about me is I am absolutely a family man. And, and to be fair, I've become quite a bit of a sissy because my house has become all girls except for me. I've got three beautiful little girls, six, four, and eight months and obviously certainly my beautiful wife that that keeps it all together there. Now granted, a year ago we were able to branch out on the male arm of things, and we got a, we got a boy cat, so but then then again then again he had his, he had his surgery, so he's <laughs> he maybe is debatable at this point. <laughs>
0: so. now he's just a little slower and lazier, and he really now, gives you a dirty look now, doesn't uh, he? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah.
1: But he's a funny cat. You know, we ended up, when the baby was being born, we ended up putting him outside. Um, you know, my wife my wife was uh, scared of those urban legends where the cat crawls into the crib and lays on the baby's face. <laughs> so we, uh, he unfortunately had to become an outdoor cat. But it's incredible because he does not leave our property. He's laying in the sun on our trampoline in the backyard all day. In the morning, he's out front on the porch waiting to be fed. He never leaves. He's always there. The girls love him. They're constantly out playing with him. But it's funny because when I grew up, I had cats, and we were up by the college in Ventura. And, you know, you let that cat outside, and that thing was gone for two weeks, and then it would come limping back home after a while, after a cat fight. So yeah, it's a, it's a funny cat. It's an orange tabby, but he's oh. getting big and hairy.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, there are ways to keep him out of the uh, baby's room at night. You know, you could, well. <laughs> you could still have a house cat. Let Where, me just put put me on the phone with your wife. I'll take care of it. I'll know, straighten. Know, I'll straighten everything out. Yeah, we, we have cat fears, so. But
1: <laughs> but then again, my kids they uh, they stopped at there's a little feed store in Ojai, and they stopped there over the weekend. And um they had baby bunnies, so i, uh, I got uh, the I got all the pictures and text messages of, "Hey, hey, uh baby bunnies, can we have one?"
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> on. Well guess what? I have two daughters, and we ha and uh, we caved, and we have a bunny. really and, oh, and hopefully, can I give you some advice? Say no.
1: say no uh, that's i I did it in a nice way. I said, "You can have whatever you want, but you have to take care of it." and so um, you know. Yeah. That's the problem. I mean, who feeds the cat in the morning?
0: Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. And, and they might say the problem with saying that is they'll say, okay, we'll take care yeah, of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Perfect.
0: And yeah. It'll be that. So yeah, it'll be uh, you. Yeah.
1: So, well, so far, so far they haven't brought the bunny home, but it was definitely a big thought the other day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bunnies are tough. Well, um, back to our topic at hand, yeah. uh, the topic du jour for today, uh, I think it's going to be a good one. And, and, uh well, it might seem, oh, you know, managing our retirement income or managing my income, maybe that's not so tough, but there's a lot to it, isn't there?
1: Oh, there is. And, and, you know, I think a lot of it certainly lately is is the emotional factor that weighs on people so much. We're a month finally into 2016 here and the stock market has been a, you know, it's, it's a magic mountain roller coaster. It's up and it's down and it's wild and it makes you want to throw up and then you feel good and, and you want to do it all over again and then it's upsetting it's been uh it's been a bit tumultuous and and I think so much of that emotion plays into the psychology of what people are supposed to be doing with their money, what people are supposed to be doing with their investments. I play quite a bit of racquetball over at um l a fitness here on Victoria, and you know every time you walk in there, someone always says oh what do you, what do you think of the stock market? I'm freaked out about the stock market. you know not that I always point it out, but My attitude is if you're freaked out about the stock market, you you must have your money misallocated in a lot of different ways because the type of people that should be invested in the stock market should have their assets that they don't need in the stock market. And so psychologically, you have to disassociate with that bucket of money. Our priority, especially as we approach retirement, is what bucket of money is going to be giving us a paycheck every single month. That's the money we should be scared of. That's the money we should be freaked out about. That's the money we should be concerned about because I need my paycheck coming in. I don't need that account value eroding in the stock market because I need to get paid and I got to pay my rent and I got to pay my mortgage and I got to buy my food and I got to pay for my Obamacare and all those different things. So I think the psyche is really important.
0: You ever heard of a, a, a guy named Jack Bogle, Tony? Jack Bogle, yes. I mean, I've, I've heard the name. Okay, well, you know, not a lot of people seem to never hear about him. So, Jack
1: Bogle is in his 80s. He's the founder of Vanguard. So, ah, uh, yes. You could argue uh, he's a somebody. And so, he's a very interesting guy. I really like following his information and what he talks about when he gets interviewed because here's somebody, you know, here's a billionaire but at the same time he's been through it all he's he's old enough that he's seen every cycle and every situation and he's experienced a lot and a couple of weeks ago the stock market intraday if you remember was down about 500 points yeah and and what a tumultuous day you know everyone's freaked out it's all over mm-hmm. and jack bogle founder of vanguard is doing an interview on cnbc and they have the ticker up by his face and you know it says negative 530 points or something <laughs> like that and, and the person interviewing him says, Jack, look at this thing. Come on. If you're a normal person with normal money and normal problems, what is the normal person supposed to do? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. You know, what is the normal person supposed to do? Because we can all sit around checking our iPhones and freaking out about the stock market being up or down. But, mm-hmm. but really, what is the appropriate rationale? And essentially what he said was, you need to stay the course. I mean, here, Let me, let me quote him. What did he say here? Just stay the course. Don't do something. Just stand there. This is speculation. And we've seen it before. You can't respond to it. You know, and that was an interesting start because that is true. Why is the stock market down? Are we upset because our U.S. economy is failing? Are we upset because China is melting down? Are we upset because Greece is melting down? There's all this noise when we turn on the news that we don't know what to follow. We don't know what makes sense. Um, and the question always becomes, and this happened last August, and this happened September of 14, this happened January 2014, every time the market has any kind of reasonable correction, six, eight, 10%, 12%, the, the question always comes up these days that I hear all the time is, how do I know this isn't 2008 all over again? How do I know that this just isn't the beginning? And a lot of that has to do with the cycle of where we're at. What, what is happening in our world? What is happening in our economy? You go back to 2008, millions of people, whether they could or couldn't, didn't pay their mortgages. So millions of people are losing their homes. Well, those yeah. millions of homes are tied to hundreds of banks with bad debts. Hundreds of banks in 2008 are going out of business. People are losing their jobs. You had this thing, this event, this crisis inside of our borders that rattled everybody. That caused a true financial crisis. The same deal back in the early 2000s, the whole dot-com bubble popping in the early 2000s. People were paying thousands of percentile for companies that, that weren't worth it just because they thought they were missing out on this tech revolution. All of a sudden, companies are going out of business. People are losing their jobs. The debt in those companies backed by banks were having all these issues with this financial crisis. And so now we fast forward to today. How do we know that this isn't the next 2008? Well, what major financial crisis do we have happening inside of the United States right now? I mean, good Golly, the the Federal Reserve just started raising interest rates last month. Yeah. If anybody pulls out their Econ 101 book, what is monetary policy and why would the Federal Reserve raise interest rates? Well, in theory, that's supposed to mean our economy's doing okay. In theory, that means actually technically it's doing so well they're trying to slow it down by raising your interest rates, people don't borrow as money as quickly slows the velocity of money and so they're trying to control inflation and growth and all those things now should they raise interest rates that's the great debate we don't know just yet but we are at a place where one way or another our US economy at the moment is surprisingly boring you know 2015 highest home sales in a in a decade unemployment's the lowest it's been in years. You know, there, there's nothing really going on when you turn on the news. It's not like we just turned on the news this morning and Lehman Brothers going belly up. So until we start getting some real U.S. noise, or news, same difference, then there's nothing bad happening in our economy. And what was great about the Jack Bogle interview is he, he kind of touched on this stuff. And so here's, here's his quote. Each bubble, for a lack of a better word, is different than the previous bubble. The dot-com bubble back in 99, the beginning of 2000s, was a whole lot of ridiculously overpriced new companies. The mortgage bubble was because of a lot of people had mortgages and weren't able to pay them. So what I was just saying. In the short run, listen to the economy. Don't listen to the stock market. Mm-hmm. These moves in the market are like a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury signaling nothing. So those are Jack Bogle's words on CNBC a couple weeks ago. But what an interesting point. Follow the economy. Don't follow the stock market. They will both match up over time. They all come back to their mean. And right now, there's nothing major, 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 major in our economy that is signaling the imploding of the stock market. Now, does that mean that that won't come? Not at all. We could, tomorrow could be the, the crisis of crises. But as of today, we're not there yet. So as Jack Bogle says, we need to stay the course. We need to cut out the emotion. Uh, you know, remember, sell high, don't sell low.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, aren't you, you mean you're not supposed to buy high and sell low like most people do? Right. It's emotions. What's, what's the statistic? Isn't it like 85% of people who have money in the market end up buying high and selling low?
1: Well, the, there's a the Dalbar Institute, which is a organization that does all of these investor studies, maps out the last 20 years, they reissue it every year. And it was funny, because over the last 20 years, yeah, these aren't exact numbers, these are round numbers. The The equity markets, the stock markets did like 9%, the bond markets did like 6%, the individual investor did like 2.5%. And when you read this 30 page study, it's making that argument that emotions make people buy high, sell low, over and over and over again, the the news freaks people out and makes them do things, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's manifested in the numbers. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, it really
1: it, is. It's a toughie, but it but it goes back to the earlier thought. We need to we need to use the money that we need for income and be conservative. If we don't need it for income and it's long term growth. We do it with long-term growth, and we don't freak out in the moment that the stock market's down. This is this is the huge disadvantage to technology: is people have almost too much access to freaking out.
0: <laughs> That's true. You know, yeah, Well, they they're watching the twenty-four-hour news talking heads on the on the uh, business news channels, telling them the sky is falling. Right.
1: Right. And you know what? What's the problem if you own a news company? Nobody watches your channel if you don't have news. You gotta, you
0: yeah, gotta have you've news got, you gotta day. Gotta make it exciting. New news. It's all over. Yeah. Yep. So I um I have a yeah. what? We... It's the same way we're gonna make this show exciting. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> now we do have to take a quick commercial break. Uh, Mike, but is there anything you'd like to add before we do?
1: Uh yeah, you know, um for the new 2016 Social Security changes, I have updated my my social security chapter in my book, The Wealth Puzzle. So if anybody listening would like a complimentary copy of my book, The Wealth Puzzle, please call the office, 805-500-7035, and we'd be more than happy to send that out to you. We also offer complimentary consultations for any financial planning services you might need, want, desire. Certainly if you're in the home stretch of retirement in the next five years, this is invaluable. You need to start putting this stuff to paper and sorting it out now. Call our office, 805-500-7035, or visit us on our main website, thelindgroup.com. Lind is
0: L-Y-N-D. Wow. Radio radio announcer, radio show host, and published author, Michael Mansfield. Uh, that's really cool. And um, our listeners, they need to get a copy of that book. It's great. It covers a lot of the things we talk about on the show, uh, but in more detail, I think that's fantastic. Listeners, stay tuned because we're going to be back with more from Michael Mansfield right here on Financially Tuned after this. Do you ever wish you had an owner's manual to help you address and plan for retirement? Well, now you do. The Wealth Puzzle of Fiduciary Guides to Proper Retirement Planning by Michael J. Mansfield from The Lind Group. If you're like most of our clients, having access to a retirement roadmap could help ease the financial concerns and better prepare you for retirement. That is exactly why Michael decided to author his very own book. The Wealth Puzzle, A Fiduciary's Guide to Proper Retirement Planning, will help give you the foundation you need for a successful retirement. Simply call 805-500-7035 or visit thelindgroup.com to receive your copy today. And welcome back to Financially Tuned. I'm your co-host, Tony Shore, And as always, Michael Mansfield is here, our financial expert. And Michael, what a great discussion. I mean, you've been telling us about, we've talked a little bit about market volatility and how to deal with that. Uh, But a lot of it, from what you were saying, comes to how we manage or allocate or set up our assets, where they're at, when we have access to certain acquisitions, Uh, uh, certain amounts of our assets and where they're at as we head into retirement, it's crucial, isn't it?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the hardest things that people have to do. I mean, and it goes back to your twenties and thirties when things are almost thrown at you that you don't understand. You go get a job and someone says, here's a 401k, contribute to this. Or you don't have a job with a 401k. And and then someone tells you that you should open an IRA and you, you just really don't know why or why not you should be doing something. I mean, one of the inherent values of a 401k over a traditional IRA is just the contribution limits. You can get a whole lot more money in a 401k than you can an IRA. You can put about $18,000 in a 401k if you're under the age of 50, whereas for an IRA, you can only put about $5,500 in it. So big difference there from a savings platform. But the other variation that you have alt to all those things is do you, do you do a Roth account? Can you do a Roth 401k or a Roth IRA? And this is something that most people just flat out don't explore. The, the, the tax person is always saying, hey, how do we save you money on taxes now? They don't really ever have the conversation is, what if I could save you a whole lot of money on taxes in 30 years from now? You know, so yeah, you, you, exactly. don't, you don't pay them a lot for saving you someday taxes. It's about what can <laughs> you do for me right now in order to solve my problem with the IRS
0: right now, right? And it's so, all about this year's taxes to them,
1: exactly. And people get so wired to what do I do right now to benefit myself right now that most people fall into the, the 401k and the IRA trap. Now, it's not a trap because look, savings is savings, save money is way better than not saving money, so however you do it is gonna be way better than not doing it at all. The question is, what is the long-term benefit of it? If we put money in a 401k, or an IRA, or a 403b, or 457, or a TSP, or whatever kind of qualified retirement account you have, the point is is they're reducing your your taxable income in that given year, therefore you get a little bit of a tax savings. The challenge is, is you throw money in there for 30 years and it grows tax-deferred, so you don't have to account for it if you buy and sell a mutual fund or something like that. And then someday, you're now in your 60s, you want to take the money out. It's fully taxable, ordinary income rates. Now, granted, you've always had taxable income, but the problem is with retirement is, number one, you're generally retiring on less income, so taxes have more of an impact there, and two is. Do we know what's happening with tax rates? We do if Bernie Sanders gets elected. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we don't, we don't talk politics here. The, um, but, but what if tax rates go up over time? Well, if they go up, and that's more taxable money than the tax rates you're paying now on it, that's a very interesting thing. There's a great chart on the internet that shows, like, since the Great Depression, 100 years the national deficit and tax rates. And those two were like parallel lines. They run up and down with one another. And it's just over the last you know decade or so that suddenly our national deficit is going straight up and tax rates are staying flat. Now, I'm not a CPA. I'm not saying I want tax rates to go up. I'm not saying any of that. There's my disclosure. But when you look at something like that, common sense says, gosh, it seems like tax rates have to go up just to offset this big deficit liability, yeah. I used to joke that, well, hey, if the government would start selling oil or something, maybe they could offset it. But but oil's not worth anything anymore, so there, <laughs> there's no reason selling that, right? Um, so that's that's a, that's a challenge. Now you go back in time to that moment when you were funding that 401k for the tax break. What if you went the other route? What if you went for the Roth route? The Roth says. In the moment that you fund your your Roth IRA or 401k, they're not going to reduce your taxes. Therefore, you're going to pay income taxes on the amount as if you didn't put it in there. Still gross tax deferred, but when the money comes out, it comes out tax free. And so that's interesting because is it better to pay taxes on that smaller amount that you originally put in? Or is it better to pay taxes on... The much bigger amount that it grew to, many, 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 many years later. Uh, the I think the analogy is like a: does a farmer want rather pay tax on the seed that he plants, or would he rather pay tax on the harvest that the seed grows into, the crops? Well, you know.
0: I'd rather pay tax on the seed,
1: right? But then again, the the psyche of taxes is we do everything in the moment we can right now to offset this tax liability right now, deal with it right now. And, and when we really think about it big picture, there's a balance. Now, I'm guilty of this too. Every time I do my taxes and go, Ugh, how much can I put into a pre-tax account to offset this? I totally get the feeling oh, yeah. and the emotion. Mm-hmm. But, but I think in a lot of situations, there's a balance funding some pre-tax accounts, funding a Roth account, some after-tax accounts, some tax-free accounts like cash value life insurance, uh, buying a rental property. At the end of the day, a successful retirement really is made up of as many paychecks as possible. And so if you have a Roth IRA, and you have a traditional IRA, and you've got some tax-free money out of life insurance, and you've got your investment property, and you've got your social security, and you've got your pension, I mean, if you had that, you'd say, I've got a lot of different paychecks coming in. The tax impacts are different on all of these things. Therefore, there's a good, healthy balance. Now, the problem is, is, gosh, I'd have to say probably 80 to 90% of the people that we see have most of their money in pre-taxed accounts. Wow. And, and the challenge is... And just, let me give a simple example. If you had someone that came in that was in a good financial situation, they had a pension, they had social security, the both spouses had social security, and they had their house paid off and they didn't need a ton of money. And let's say they worked their catushes off and by the time they retired, they had a million dollars in their IRA. That'd be awesome, you know? Hey, I got a lot of yep. cash flow, not a lot of debts. I've got a big lump of money in the bank. Hooray. The problem is, They have a bit of a ticking tax time bomb, what I call it. And that means is by the time this million bucks, this bucket of IRA money gets to 70 and a half, whether you want to or not, the IRS is going to move into your front room and and put a sleeping bag on the couch because they're so excited that now they get to tell you how much you have to take out and how much taxes you have to pay them.
0: Yeah, a lot of people, when they they don't realize that any tax-deferred account uh, is, is basically a joint account with uncle Sam, isn't it? It's
1: totally true. And then they totally don't understand
0: true. that if they put a hundred thousand dollars into an account, um, a good chunk of the, into a tax deferred account, like an IR, a traditional IRA, yeah. uh, a good chunk of that belongs to uncle Sam. They don't get to keep the whole hundred thousand, do they? No,
1: you're, 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 you're spot on Tony. And that's the problem is goes back to the theme. What if tax rates are higher, you know? All of those things could have such an impact on what that big bucket of money was. I mean, think yeah. about using that money for long-term care services. I gotta pull out 100 grand to pay my long-term care bill. I take 30% off the top of it just to pay the taxes. I got 70 grand. Now, granted, I know there's some ways on Schedule A's and whatnot to, to write some of that off, but still, it's not gonna have sure. nearly the same impact it did as the taxes paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's, it's a pretty incredible problem. And then again, also, the rules are very obscure. The The required minimum distribution reads the April following the year you turn 70 and a half. Like, who the heck made that up? I, I, I mean, think about it. Like, what? That, I don't know. Why? Well, well, yeah. why? Huh? Well, I'll tell you why. The moment that you miss putting, taking any amount of your required minimum distribution, the day you miss it, it's a 50% penalty. So if you forget to pull a thousand bucks out of that one little IRA you had over there that you didn't think about, it's day one is a $500 penalty on that. Ouch. So I don't know why the rule is so weird on the month and the years and the timing of all of it, but I know the penalty is one of the more severe penalties. So I, I find that the mystery.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's important. You know what? We're basically out of time here. Michael, is there anything else you'd like to add before we go today?
1: No, nah, you know, we, we really just scratched the surface today. There's a lot to do when it comes to retirement accounts. Um, obviously, the type of account to use, how to set the account up, what type of investments do we hold in the account? What about beneficiaries? Primary contingents? Do we list individuals? Do we put family members? Do we put trusts? What about per stirpes and per capita? Stuff most people have never heard about or looked into with beneficiaries. And then we get into all this tax planning. You know how, how will inflation and taxes impact the type of account that I pick now that I'm married to for the rest of my life? There's so much to consider. This is very time-consuming, very thought-provoking things that we need to get into. So please call our office, 805-500-7035. Set up a complimentary consultation with us. We'd be more than happy to help you understand the type of accounts that you have, the taxation associated with it, all the different required minimum distribution and IRS rules that you might be subject to. And um otherwise visit our website, thelindgroup.com. You can listen to recordings of all of our past radio shows at financiallytunedradio.com. And we're located right in the middle of Ventura. We're on Victoria Avenue right across from the government center, so we're uh easy to find. But once again, 805-500-7035. And thanks for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Financially Tuned. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Michael Mansfield at The Lind Group. Call 805-500-7035 or visit their website at financiallytunedradio.com.